Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. So I want to thank you again for joining us this morning at Life Fellowship, and we want to wish you an an early Merry Christmas. Can you believe Christmas is just around the corner? This year has really flown by. Uh, I also want to mention that this Friday at 6 o'clock here at the venue, we will have a Christmas Eve service. It's going to be a short service. We're going to have some awesome worship, and we'll have communion. And so uh, we'd love for you guys to come. If you have family in town, bring them and, and come uh, Friday night at 6 o'clock here at, the, at Kima Gardens. Uh, this morning, I wanted to talk about true love. Uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, Luke 2, and Isaiah 53. My first point this morning is Jesus was fully God and fully human. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we have Elias with us this morning too, uh, so we're happy to have him in the house. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was holding Elias, and I, I was just marveling at how tiny and how vulnerable and how he was able to unprotect he was not able to protect himself and he's unable to care for himself and and I was considering Jesus when he was born fully God yet fully human and so as a baby he was vulnerable as a, a, a child and and he was unable to protect himself he was unable to take care for take care of himself and I was thinking about how Jesus came from heaven to live in a sin-filled world, from a place of holiness and purity, a perfect environment, clean, to a place filled with sin and woundedness and brokenness and evil, a world of strife and fighting and jealousy and confusion and very different from his heavenly home that he chose to come and be a part of. And this is true love. Uh, in, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, <clears throat> John writes, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was God. The Word was the God. The Word was with God. I'm sorry. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So it's very clear that John is saying that the Word already existed in the beginning. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And just in case we didn't get it, verse 2, He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. He's talking about the Word, and then we clearly see in a minute in verse 14 that the Word is Jesus. But God created everything through Jesus, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life, Jesus' life, brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. When Jesus came, He, bring, he brought light to this darkened world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. If you've ever been in a cave or an environment where it's totally dark, you, I've been in, in these big caverns, and, and there's a huge amount of darkness because you're in this huge room that there's no light, and it's completely dark. 
And so you can turn on a flashlight or you can light a candle that is so small in comparison to the darkness around you that you would think that because of the amount of darkness compared to the the amount of light that the darkness could overtake the light. But what we see is the darkness can never overtake the light. The light pushes back the darkness. And so even in a cavernous, dark cave, you have a little flashlight that pushes back, that dispels the darkness. And Jesus came to bring light into a dark world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He simply was a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, the Jews, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made his home among us. John 1.14 continues, He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we just read, I just read in, in Psalm 103, that's talking about God's unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And we see the glory of the Father, and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us that reflects His glory. Um, I think it was last week I talked about the temple of God, that we are the temple of God because God's Holy Spirit is residing in us. And so we are the light carriers. We are the, the lanterns and the light that, that Jesus is working through our lives to reach a darkened, lost world. It's like they're living in a cave of darkness. They have no hope. Many people have no hope. They don't know how to get out of the cave. But Jesus came to bring light, and he shines his light of love through us. People that don't have a relationship with Christ don't really get it. I see posts on Facebook, and people respond to posts, and they don't get it. Colossians 2, 8 through 10 says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And so we see people that argue about, is there a God, and they... they they want to make these comments to, to Christians that are believers because they don't understand. And they try to, to understand things with empty philosophies of high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking, from spiritual powers that are against the powers of Christ and the powers of God. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. 
Verse 10, so you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. And so we know that Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth. But have you ever thought that, or, or do, you, do you realize that? I mean, when we have people that are in authority over us or government officials and things like that, but, but Jesus has all authority and he's given us authority and dominion and power to be victorious. Our spiritual victory is a result of our life being transformed through Christ, not through our performance. And so that's why we can, we can come to him and we can say, Lord God, I need you to help me in this situation. I need you to fix my broken life. Our spiritual victory a life of victory that Jesus came to, to give us is a result of our life being transformed through Christ, not through our performance. And so that's why we talk about this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus every week. <laughs> because it's that relationship that will transform our life if and when we yield to him and allow him to do that. I remember uh, a number of years ago, I, I played in some bands and... Uh, I drank excessively, I partied excessively, and then after I got out of that environment, the Lord was working in my heart and life and got married, and that uh, lifestyle was uh, reduced substantially. But before the Lord called us, or went, while the Lord was calling us to start Life Fellowship, the Lord told me to stop drinking alcohol, period. And, you know, I, I would go out and mow the yard and come in and have a cold beer or something like that every once in a while or drink on occasion. But the Lord said, stop. I want you to stop totally. And so since that time, uh, I, I, I chose to yield. I haven't drank one sip of beer or one sip of uh, wine or a margarita or anything like that because I chose. I know what the Lord was telling me to stop because he was calling us to start this church and alcohol has destroyed many lives and it's caused a lot of problems in people's lives and some of you know what I'm talking about <laughs> and it was uh, destructive in my life but the Lord is wanting to transform our life but sometimes we have to choose to obey his word and sin is sin and when, when more importantly when the Lord uh, directs us to do something we need to obey and we need to yield to him. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Jesus was willing to relinquish all of his godly authority and become a man. I mean, think about this. Everything that was created was created by him and through him. And yet he comes down to be in the midst of his creation Philippians 2.7 says, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He was willing to do something that none of us could ever do, give up his position of God. He was willing to give that up. And, and I was trying to think, I wonder what that would be like for us. How could we, what could I uh, demonstrate that would convey that? And this is probably not a good example, but... This was the best I could come up with. What if we gave up everything that we are as a person, as a human, the, uh, the ability that we have and the things that we get to do, and we said, I'm willing to give 
all of this up and become an earthworm. Now, I know we couldn't do that. But, and I don't know that that's even representative of what Christ has done, but it would be like us giving up everything that we know, all, everything that we have, everything that we can do, and, and just become an earthworm. And so Jesus gave up all his divine authority so that, He could come down to earth and take our place. Philippians 2.7 continues, Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. I don't think we understand, and I don't think we could comprehend the greatness of God and what heaven is like and what Jesus really did, not only coming and dying on the cross, for us, and we, we think about that during resurrection time and, and all of that. But he giving up his position in heaven to humble himself and come to earth, being born as a human. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So he came from heaven to earth. Most of us, if we were in that position, we would probably come as a king and a, a ruling emperor and, and the things that, that the people were looking for in the Messiah. But Jesus came for so much more. He came to pay the penalty for our sins. He came to humble himself as a servant and as, as a slave, it says here in, in verse 7. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So my first point is, Jesus was fully God, fully human. My second point is, why would Jesus leave heaven and come to earth? The Roman emperor at the time, Augustus, required a registration or a census. And this was a way for Rome to uh, track and, and know how many Jews there were so that they could tax them. And uh, Joseph, being a descendant of, of King David, had to come and travel to the, the land of his ancestors, to Bethlehem. And I want you to visualize something. On Friday, uh, well, let me say this. On Friday, we're going to play and, and uh, sing that song, Mary, Did You Know? I'm sure most of you have heard that song. And I want you to, to visualize this if you can. In Luke chapter 2, verse 6 through 7, it, it, it says, and while, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. While they were there, Mary, it was time for Mary to give birth to Jesus. And in that song, Mary, Did You Know, I was listening to it uh, this past week, and the lyrics of that song are so powerful. One of the lines says, this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. When you kiss your baby, when you kiss your baby's face, you kiss the face of God. Man. So come on Friday night and we're going to sing that song. But I want you to, I want, for a few minutes here, I want, to, I want us to kind of put ourselves in this, this, uh, this, this movie that's, that's transpiring uh, 2,000 years ago where... Mary and Joseph, 
are traveling to Bethlehem and she's going to have this baby. I don't think that there's any way that Mary could comprehend the tremendous life-changing impact that, that this baby would have in the world. I mean, even though the uh, Pharisees and the religious leaders were expecting the Messiah to come and all of that, they had no clue when he showed up. And I don't think that uh, Mary could even comprehend what was going to happen and, and how impactful Jesus would be. But let's look at Luke 2, 7. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And so many times they would wrap little lambs in cloths to protect them. And, and uh, uh, many times that was done for lambs that, that would be uh, offered as a sacrifice because Lambs had to be perfect. They had to be without blemish. And those were the ones that were sacrificed to God. And you think about, about the, uh, uh, how, how, the, how well this all fits with all of that, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was wrapped in these cloths. And he was laid in a manger because there was no lodging for them. It was not a pristine environment. Jesus was probably born in a dark dirty, stable, no electricity, <laughs> no air conditioning, no fans for ventilation. Consider that the inn was full. There were people traveling from all areas and passing through and stopping and registering for the census. And if you think that the, the inn was full, do you think the stable might have been as well and probably more animals were in that stable than what that stable was designed to hold it was probably very very dirty very fragrant <laughs> uh, have, how many of you have been around horses and cows okay there's a certain strong aroma that seems to be very pungent and consistent and uh, being, at a, uh, being around it enough times when I was growing up, uh, it never becomes a pleasurable smell, but it becomes tolerant, I would say. <laughs> and the odors that are in that environment tend to absorb into your clothing, into your hair. I mean, you... If you're in that environment and you go get in your vehicle, you're like, what does that smell? <laughs> that smell is still with me. And imagine that Jesus was laid in this manger, which is a feeding trough. And have you ever watched cows eat? <laughs> they, they, I don't know, I can't really do that with my mouth, but it seems like their bottom jaw kind of grinds the food. And they are... Slobbering, uh, I mean, yeah, okay, I think you get the idea. <laughs> uh, if you've ever been to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo, and you've walked through the area where the, the cattle is, uh, you notice that they have clean stalls. I, I raised a couple of hogs for uh, uh, the Livestock Show where I grew up, and they were pretty nasty. You know, uh, but when we'd go to the livestock show, 
you want everything clean. We would, we would wash our pigs. We, we would put powder on them, and the, the stalls were just, you know, really clean. And so anytime an animal would go to the bathroom, you had to clean that up. So it was a very pristine environment compared to where Jesus was born and grew up. And so if, if, if you haven't uh, done this in a while, if you, if you go to the Houston Livestock Show Rodeo, just go through that area, and, and you'll see the clean stalls and all of that. But you may get a whiff of some of the environment there. But the stable in Bethlehem was very different from the clean stables that, that we see, uh, like at the livestock show. And there was no ventilation there. Probably the stable was overcrowded with animals. And... Uh, and so when, when we think about where Jesus came from, heaven, and then where he was born, it's a very stark contrast. And to think that Jesus would do that for us because of his love. The prophet Isaiah uh, wrote about Jesus about 700 years before he was born in Isaiah 53. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6. Talking about Jesus... Prophetically, again, this was seven or eight hundred years before uh, Jesus was born. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have all left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all. Jesus obeyed the Father. And he demonstrated his true love for us by taking on all of our sins and taking on the punishment that we deserved. So my first point is Jesus was fully God, fully human. My second point is why would Jesus leave heaven and come to earth? The third point is Jesus came to earth as a demonstration of true love. And Jesus was talking with Nicodemus, a religious Jewish religious leader, a Pharisee. And he says in John 3, 16 and 17, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, which I love this, God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. We're talking about true love today. Let's go to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and through 8. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
So what would our response be? Well, let me say it this way. What is our response when we know people are going to reject us? Are we still going to love them? Are we still going to reach out to them? Are we still going to be kind to them and gracious to them, even when they don't reciprocate in the same way or the way that we think that they should? Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 9-11. through 11. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. Verse 10, the first part of this says, this is real love. Verse 10 continues, this is real love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. <laughs> uh, that's one of the things that, that I love about the relationships that we have in this church is that we truly love one another. We know that because we know it's authentic. And we are being transformed by God's love. And that's demonstrated in the way that we respond to and truly love one another. I'm so thankful for the love that's demonstrated in this church and the relationships that we have. So Jesus was fully God, fully human. Jesus left heaven and came to earth because it was a demonstration of his true love for us. And so as we consider this holiday season, this Christmas season, I know we'll be reminded of, of the birth of Christ, but let's also keep in mind why he came to earth for us to example and to demonstrate true love. And we now get to be partakers in that mission of sharing the hope and the love of Christ, of being a light in a dark world. And it's such a joy to to have these relationships that are so authentic where we really love one another. It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> so again, we have a Christmas Eve service this Friday at 6. It will be short, a short service with communion, with some uh, worship, and it's a great opportunity to bring your family and friends, and I hope you'll join us. I'd like for you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Maybe this morning you're here and and God is speaking to your heart, and what a wonderful season we're about to celebrate with Christmas, and this would be a great time to maybe rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe you've never had a relationship with the Lord, and you're saying, that's me. I want to give my life to the Lord. If you'd like to rededicate your life, just slip up your hand, catch my eye. Anybody here this morning? Maybe you're watching online, and you would say, that's me. Well, just pray this simple prayer. And say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I receive your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. And I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this fresh start. And I receive you now in my heart and in my life. I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord God, I pray 
for the fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come down upon everyone that prayed that prayer, Lord, and that you would fill them with a greater measure of your love, that you would fill them with a greater sensitivity to your Holy Spirit. And as they read your word, as they pray, as they spend time with you, you would reveal your heart to them, that you would open up their heart and reveal the things in their lives that you want to remove and that you would backfill that with your love and your presence. And Lord, that every one of us would choose to yield our hearts and lives to you because you are for us. And if you are for us, who can be against us? And so we thank you, Lord God, that we can come boldly to your throne of grace and present our petitions to you. And we thank you for your great, tremendous, amazing love for us that even when we were sinners, even when we were steeped in our sin and loss, you still were there. You still loved us. And you love us today. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name.